Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Gateway to Cinema, the spinoff of the far more popular podcast reboot already underway, the Robonic Stooges, to the main podcasts, the Three Stooges. Robonic? Because, yeah, they made a cartoon where they were cyborgs. That's a thing. And now it's my duty to inform you of this fact, because I'm your host, Aaron Hahn, joined as always by Jacob Lacey. I, you know, I've really slacked on the quotes <laughs> for this. I, you know, I'm bringing them. Now, I do have... This is, this is a dialogue, almost entirely dialogue-driven film. But there's no, like, quote where it's like, the one quote that I would use, I don't want to use, because it's not like a spoiler, but it's near the end of the movie, and I'm like... I don't want to use it. But I, I do have maybe something, a change to the show. That we'll talk about off air. Uh, okay. That maybe we can implement for season three of the main show, but this is still season one. <laughs> A really long season one. So, anyway. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. That, uh, is that all you have to say? Yeah, that's my what intro. <laughs> that, uh, that's uh, my right. quote. That's, uh, okay. Well, yeah. we're once again talking about one of the films. From the list of 100 movies I made for Lacey to watch, films that are interesting introductions to the larger world of cinema. And this week, we have a film that I hope made Lacey cry. The end of the tour. Are we close? Tear up a little? A little bit? Um. Oof. Little, t- little bit of tears. I'm, I'm sorry, Aaron. <laughs> This might be one of the first times you expected something to make me cry, and it didn't. Mm. Now, that being said, I still felt emotions, believe it or not. When you have... Mm, should I... Mm. <laughs> when you're in the headspace I've been in recently, where um, <laughs> I just listened to Dear John by Taylor Swift and cried the whole way home yesterday... <laughs> You know, you're never really sure what's going to make you cry. Second time I watched Paddington, didn't cry. Third time I watched it recently, bald again. <laughs> so, you know, it really, things just have to hit me on the right days. And I don't, maybe this didn't hit me on the right day. I, okay. I thought this would be another one. I'm not saying it needed to make you cry. I'm mm-hmm. just saying I thought it would be something. Now, like here's the thing. I will rewatch this for sure. And it might make me cry then. Knowing where it goes. You, ha- you have to let me know if it does. Yeah. But even though you didn't cry, mm-hmm. why don't you share your thoughts? So, yeah. Phone? Going in, I-, I knew like nothing about this except for what we read on the podcast last week about it. Um, didn't realize this was a true story <laughs> until like mm-hmm. started watching it and I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, oh, Infinite Jest. I've heard of that book. Oh, okay. This is real. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Here we go. Um, so, yeah. I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about who David Foster Wallace is. I, I, like, again, I've heard the name Infinite Jest. Couldn't tell you what it was about. It, well, I did read the summary, not the summary, but like the back of the book or whatever for it. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty interesting. I'd read that. But it's a uh, thousand pages, huh? Sounds like um, yeah. 
torture. No, I haven't read it myself either. But my sister read it mm. in college, so that's how I became aware of it. So, th- but that's as much as I knew about David Foster Wallace before seeing this film. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I knew his name from seeing my right. sister read that book. But I think the film works even if you don't know. Oh yeah, a lot about him. For sure, they introduce you to him and who who he is and that kind of thing. And we'll get more to it in spoilers, but I think the movie does a good job of uh, casting him in a light, like in a sympathetic light, but also like this dude kind of sucks. <laughs> like, and I, I <laughs> we'll get more to that more later. But I, for a while, I'm like, okay, like this is what is he? Just like the most brilliant guy ever? Oh, he's just always oh, amazing. And then like eventually you get to it, and it's like okay. He has, like, some dark sides. And I read some other stuff about him in real life that's like, oh, he had he had some dark sides. <laughs> and, like, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a special kind of movie that can paint a character or a person in that light and also be like, hey, they also kind of sucked in some ways, but they were really brilliant, too. And I just feel like maybe that's the sort of, thing we're missing sometimes these days where it's like yeah people can suck but also their achievements aren't hmm, that sounds bad because some people just completely suck and it's like yeah you know, whatever but i think you know what i'm trying to say hopefully mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway i don't know that's all i have to say before spoilers because I got, I got a lot to talk about with this one uh yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> the reason why I put it on the list was this was shortly after I had seen the film for mm-hmm. the first time because I was making this list, as we mentioned last week, summer of 2016, and then uh, this film came out late 2015 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, this is just a film that I thought you would really appreciate because I think I thought you would see a lot of what I saw in it, which is kind of like that discussion about like the discussion about like talent and success and artistry Mm -hmm. and kind of like one of the one of my favorite parts about the film is like that dynamic between him and Jesse Eisenberg playing uh, David Lipsky. Mm -hmm. And like, how do you deal with someone who is just kind of like inherently more talented than you are? Like if you're a writer and you're doing the best you can, and someone is just coming along and just surpassing you without even trying, really. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you deal with that? And just, like, all these kind of issues and stuff that come out of their uh, conversations. I thought that you would really appreciate this film, what? like <laughs> I did, with both of us wanting to be, like, writers yeah, and getting just... arts and stuff like that. <laughs> I was, I know you didn't mean it like this, but when I was thinking about it, I'm like, the way that you're, like, an amazing writer. <laughs> and, like, I'm always like, oh, ooh, yikes, I'm not that good. I was not saying that. No, I, no, no. I know you weren't but, saying that. I, But, like, there are parallels. <laughs> but, I mean, one of the best parts of the film as well is that even though I... David Lipsky feels this way. We, mm-hmm. as we learn more about David Foster Wallace, like you said, yeah. you're like, dude, kind of sucks in a lot of ways. Yeah, but like, well, yeah, we'll get to that because I, there is like a really, the line that I wanted to use as my quote, but again, I can't because there's just there's that, the moment near the end where you're just like, 
Yeah. I don't know. Well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I mean, we can get to it now as long as you would tell me if you recommend this. I absolutely would. I I have I've kind of been not talking much about it because I just... I have thoughts, man. I have feelings, and I just want to get to the spoilers. It's hard, like, this it's, is one it's of not my... really much to spoil because one, it's based on a true story, right. and two, it's like, like we said, very dialogue driven. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that makes it you know difficult to talk about without being right in spoiler territory. And I love, I love, I I've been you know I I've mentioned Aaron. I'm liking Mumblecore. I've been getting into like Mumblecore films and stuff and. I love Francis Ha, and I, I like uh, Lady Bird, which has mumblecore elements. And I think this movie even has mumblecore elements. It's not as uh, improvised as a lot of mumblecore is. But, I mean, obviously not. It's based on something, so it has to have that driving force. They can't just be like, and then David Foster Wallace killed somebody. <laughs> oh, wow. Or anything. So uh, that was a dramatic example, but you get my drift. Um, but it has that very naturalistic feel to where it does, it, it fades away. It doesn't feel like it's Jesse Eisenberg and Jason Siegel talking to each other. They have that that natural natural flow with one another. And, man, I love it. There's only a few things in this movie that I'm like, and they're such nitpicks, but we'll get to them in spoilers. Okay, okay. I'm excited to uh, talk about this further. But if you have not seen the film, recommended by the both of us. Mm-hmm. And if you have seen the film or just don't care, we can talk about it now a little in depth with spoilers. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk with my about my nitpick. I can't talk. I'm gonna talk about the nitpick right now just to get it out of the way. Go for it. Go for it. Um, you know how I said I just get drawn in and it washes over you and it feels like everything is real with Jesse Eisenberg and Jason Siegel and their conversations. The easiest way to take me out of that is to go to the Mall of America and have Avatar The Last Airbender in the background and the new design for the TMNT in the background. And I'm like, ooh, ooh, yucky. <laughs> like, ooh. The period detail is, like, not there in this movie. And, like, that's the worst part about it, I think. Mm-hmm. But... If that's the yeah, worst I, part of your movie, <laughs> like you did a good job, I guess. I, mean, I don't I think know. At some points, it works just because there's like a timeless mm-hmm. quality to the ideas being discussed that I think that they can get away with not having a very clear time period. Because mm-hmm. like my first watch through, I had no idea this was supposed to be a period piece until they get to the movie theater and you see what it's playing. And you're like, yeah. why, why is Jawanji <laughs> playing here? Why is, why is Happy Gilmore playing here? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, this is 1996. Yeah. I, I was but, just a babe when, that, when this event took place. Right. Some might say I'm still a babe now. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> and, uh... So, man, it again, it's hard to talk about, like you said, because it is just all so dialogue heavy, and it's not like I'm just going to sit here and, like, rattle off what their conversations were about, but, uh, yeah, like you said, that, that, that tension between them that eventually breaks out, and it's not, it's not all at once, which I really loved. I love that there's, like, a friendship building between them, like, because they're both... 
on the surface, they're both likable guys, but then eventually their own cracks and their own faults start to throw show through, and it's just like, I'm not sure I really like either of these guys, but like that doesn't mean that they're not intelligent, I guess. Like the whole um the whole subplot with um girl from Francis Ha. I can't remember her name though. One second. I wouldn't know what character but that was. I, I'm but... I know, I'm trying to find the character <laughs> and the actress's name. Just give me one moment. Uh here we go. I'm hand to her. Oh, I was not prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> Her name is Mickey Sumner. She's uh she's Sting's daughter. Um she's playing the grad school um friend. Um oh. I just mm-hmm. missed the name again. I think Becky was her name. But uh the whole subplot between him Jesse Eisenberg's character being like super sleazy kind of he's like he has a gr- two girlfriends and it's like He's like, hey, time to pick up number three. <laughs> it's like, ugh, mm, Jesse, no. Yikes. Um, but also, the whole possessive nature of David Foster Wallace, which is just like, oof. Mm-hmm. There's just like such a creep factor there, and it's just like, ugh, yucky. <laughs> I'm using yucky too much. <laughs> that's, no, like, that's okay. Re- reverted to like a three-year-old. But, I mean, <laughs> apparently I read that David Foster Wallace also, like, stalked somebody, which is, mm-hmm. like, I mean, obviously it happened by the time this movie came out, so they kind of, I guess, showed shades of that. Um, yeah, there definitely is a possessive quality to both of them. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then when he's on the phone with his girlfriend, he's like, what the hell was that? You were only supposed to talk for to say hello or whatever, and it's like, right, Ugh. right. Oh, oh, it's like cringy, but also it's like people are like that. It's yeah, <laughs> and it sucks. I, I think that it's you know they're just such well-rounded characters, mm-hmm. which so it's one of those instances where we can hate them mm-hmm. while having to acknowledge that they're very like human. Like they're human. Yeah, you they can't, make you can't say like they're. It would be weird to say they're well-written characters because they were actually people. But. Yeah, they're real people. I mean, that it's <laughs> yeah, they're well-written characters because literally everyone's a well-written character. <laughs> everyone has has their their issues, and everyone does things that they regret, and everyone has their demons, I guess. And uh, I mean, that's also just a part of the the movie where he's constantly. I don't want to say rightfully so. Because I think that's also a commentary on the film, or in the film, is about how journalism is just kind of just turns you into a prick, kind of. <laughs> He's like, yeah, so uh, was that before or after you tried to kill yourself? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. oh, God, it sucks. And it just, it's yeah. one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's too real. Because, I mean, everyone's seen interviews with, I mean... What was the one? Oh, the one guy who was interviewing Robert Downey Jr. And he mentioned something about going to rehab. And he's like, yeah, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about Captain America. <laughs> like, why are you doing this? And it's like, yeah. yeah. And the whole, like, oh. I mean, there's the really great one with Quentin Tarantino. Where <laughs> someone asked him, why are your movies so violent? Because it's fun. <laughs> he's like, <"What? laughs> just leave me alone. 
it's like yeah there's this dark side to like there's this quest for knowledge and everyone thinks they're so entitled to knowing everything about everyone mm-hmm. and that's i think that's really only gotten worse <laughs> but also this movie plays on that where he asks him about his heroin addiction that I mean, I'll take the character, I'll take David Foster Wallace's word that he wasn't addicted to heroin, but, um, I'd be interested to read that interview. Uh, have you? I have not, no. This my this film is my only exposure to... Yeah, I'd be this, interested but... to read the piece, because that kind of would add in some, like, what does he talk about in it, like, because there's the whole scene where he comes to him and he talks to him about, hey... Like, he talks to him about his depression, basically. And it's like, I wonder if he kept that in. Because it seemed like such a... Such a... Personal thing for him to tell him. Like, he was telling that to him as a friend, you could tell. It didn't seem like it was on the record. He wrote stuff down, but, you know, you don't... We don't really know, I guess. I mean, but, like, that's one of the interesting uh, conflicts in the film as well. It's like, Mm -hmm. what is personal and what is private especially when you're in a situation where you are an author like how Mm -hmm. uh, how uh just asimov's character is talking about how uh people are assuming david foster wallace is a heroin addict because it plays such a role in the novel itself and like Mm -hmm. the novel is a reflection of him and he's putting it out into the world and then he has like that whole there's the whole statement about like me reading the work of an author is like a form of meeting them. Mm-hmm. Especially have... when it's so personal. Is yeah. I think what the line was. It's like, hey, when we're reading you, it's like we're meeting you. Like He's just yeah. that good of a writer. And then there's that darker side to it where he's like describing the situation where he had someone, where David Foster Wallace is describing the situation where he had like a fan call him and like talking about all his pain and then being like, well, what am I supposed to do about it? Yeah. But it, just, like, this idea yeah. that these people are putting out their personal pain and their personal struggle, and people are trying to connect to that, and they're trying so desperately to connect to that and find answers that they're, in fact, like, destroying these people's lives by demanding mm-hmm. these interviews where they ask these very personal questions because all they want is, like, the answers for themselves kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those films about, like, how everyone is, like, broken and messed up and has all these issues they're working through and i just i i I love that that's what i love about this film me too i yeah now i will mention my other problem uh not enough joan cusack Mm. i was promised joan cusack you seemed very excited when you when you learned she was in this i love joan cusack dude (laughs) all right she's been every movie just Mm -hmm. get her in there i guess you know you know what? I wouldn't even be angry if she was in every movie and this was as small of a role as she had. It would just be like, there's America's mom out there. I'll, I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it. She's say it. she's too sweet for this world. <laughs> Alright? Raising Helen. Have you seen Raising Helen, Aaron? I've not seen Raising she's Helen. She's in Raising Helen and she's a gem. <laughs> Alright? I believe you. Raising Helen's going on the list. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Not if I watch it first. Oh, well. I don't know why you would. <laughs> um, but anyway. Oh, I, I figured out the, the name. 
we'll talk about this yeah, off yeah, yeah, but yeah, figure yeah. out the name we should use okay i've been thinking about it too i can't come up with anything good so i'm hoping to i i, I have I had, I had a good idea i had a just like a come to big jesus idea. moment oh yeah. <laughs> i never i never use that right the come to jesus moment it's never right i never use it in the right context <laughs> it's awful um, uh, yeah, I had, a, I had to come to Jesus moment. Yeah, with the idea. <laughs> I found yeah. the idea and I was like, only idea now. I'm like, Jesus, I know you have a lot of important things to be doing, but if you could just help me name this podcast, that, <laughs> that'd be great, you know? I, know? I know there's a lot of stuff going on, like Middle East is the mess right now, all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff, but, you know, I really need this podcast name. Right, right, and, right. And he listens. It's I America. guess so. Only, it's he listens to white... Americans, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> anyway, um, Jesse Eisenberg, man. But, all right, so I want to talk about the acting. Like I said, I, I, I was just going to ask you what you thought of Jason Siegel as in a in a more unusual role for him. Yeah. So we don't see him do dramatic stuff as much. I think this was his first major dramatic role. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Well, and even even in How I Met Your Mother, he has a lot of like yeah. actual heft to work with. He's working with like some heavy stuff. Spoilers for How I Met Your Mother, but the storyline where his dad dies was yeah. like one of the best parts of that show and he's great in it too like that that is he is one of the best dramatic actors on that show maybe neil patrick harris second best and then the other three are just kind of like yeah they're all right <laughs> but anyway um yeah so i thought he was great i thought he like i said he played the character i, I didn't feel like it was anything i'd seen him do um, I mean, I don't want to say he's playing a stoner, because he's not enjoying, he's playing like a hippie character, almost, um, which is funny to me, I don't know, I, I, he, looking at pictures of David Foster Wallace, I'm like, he looked the part, I think he played the part, he sounded intelligent, but also he seemed reserved, um, and he has, he has good, he's good, I was kind of honestly... It's funny that you say G- Jason Siegel was the surprising one for you. I thought Jesse Eisenberg was the surprising one. He's playing a somewhat different role than he normally does here. I mean, he's still kind of skeezy. He has, like, his Eisenbergisms, But also, when's the last time we saw a movie where you kind of almost root for him <laughs> in it? You know what I mean? Maybe Adventureland. Well, ju- well, Justice League, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Justice League, huh? That last scene that really got right, you. Yeah, I'm, he's he's like, let's Shouldn't destroy we? Justice League, and I'm like, yes, have a league of our it own. It was terrible. <laughs> Eliminate them and start over. Thank you, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you root for Lex Luthor in the way that like it's so zany. Like, I know you hate Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, and yeah. I've kind of come around to like he's not good. But he's so zany, so out there that I just love it. I could watch he's him do it all day. At least not like crushingly pretentious like the rest of Batman v Superman. Yeah. So you know, there's that. Yeah. If we can say anything about mm. him, it's that 
when he was in the movie, I was watching the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we can say. He's got shades of, like, his Mark Zuckerberg character in here. Um, But, like, more functional, I guess. Like, he's not, like... Somewhat more functional. Yeah, like, attacking people randomly with his words. But, yeah, I don't know. I I thought he was really great. I don't know. I, I was surprised. He also has a really great comedic beat where she's like, well, maybe what if the book is that good? And he's sitting there and he's reading it. And I can't say what he says because where it's a family podcast, but he's like, well, <laughs> like it, it's such a good, this movie has some that, good comedy in it too. I'd say. Yeah. I really like that moment. That's probably one of the best moments of the film. Yeah. That and let me take you somewhere nice. And they come out of the McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, it's those, uh, those uh, editing techniques from the director of the circle. That's yeah. I was actually gonna bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> he also did the spectacular now, which I know people love. Um, spectacular now is it's all right. I, I'm I think I really liked it at the time. I don't know if it holds up. Okay, but. Um, yeah, I, where'd he go wrong, man? Circles, I mean, where he went wrong was trying to take on source material that, by all intents and purposes, was not good to begin with, so... Yeah, it seems like he's, he built up a reputation for being able to accurately translate a book, mm-hmm. and his failing was then taking a book taking that a was trash, yeah. and accurately translating it. yeah. So I don't know if you can even blame him on that one, really. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, man, this movie's just, I don't know if I'd even call it fun. I just call it riveting. The whole time I was just sitting and I'm like, okay, it's, it's that, that treat to the ear where every line that comes out, you're just engaged and you're enjoying it and you're, it's that banter, that that back and forth that is just mastered so well in this movie that, hey, it's a good place to look at for how to write dialogue. Realistic, believable dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. And I I loved it. I really did love this movie. I'm excited to watch it again sometime. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, worth... Because well, I rewatched this ahead of the podcast, because I this was a film I definitely wanted to make sure I rewatched because it's like you can't read a plot summary right. and glean the experience <laughs> of the film. Yeah, no. Like, you need to hear the conversation again to, mm-hmm. you know, remember what this movie felt like and like why it impacted me enough to put it on the list and stuff. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, I think a rewatch is valuable. Yeah. I would say this movie's good. What? If you like this film, you should watch Before Sunrise. Yeah. You can no longer tell me that a film that's basically just two people talking about yeah. life for an hour and a half <laughs> is a bad idea. I never I to be clear, I <laughs> never said that. That's never been a thing I've said. No, but you had your reservations. Now, that, before sunrise. That being said, and, uh, I've seen it done poorly. 
like with complete unknown which is like ugh. is that what that film looks like i mean basically kind of like the the last two-thirds of the movie are like that and it's like oh guys this is not good anyway I've seen it done poorly, so seeing it done really well here, and apparently also in the Before trilogy, um, I do need to watch them. Here's the thing. I want to get the Criterion collection of them, though. So, once I have enough money for the Criterion collection, I'll get that, and I'll watch them. Next sale is uh, July. Coming up, boys. Coming up. As long as Barnes & Noble stays in business long enough. Well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, no, they they do it on uh, Amazon too, and through their yeah, but I actual think that's website. Like a price match thing, but still, where they're like since Barnes and Noble things, we have to undercut them so we can dominate the industry. Uh, I mean, just like Barnes and Noble did with the bookstores so many years ago. It's it's, it's like, of life. it's just comeuppance at this point, right? <laughs> so there we go. It's the cycle of uh, that's how I'll make my feel feel better about it. Guys, today we're sponsored by Audible. Uh, <laughs> type in uh, type in coupon code Kill Barnes and Noble, and <laughs> you'll get uh, one free audiobook of your choosing. Uh, recently, I've been reading Infinite Jest and uh, really enjoying it. The audiobook version is only like a thousand hours long. Right. So perfect for those uh, long car rides to another country. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's actually read by Jason Siegel. So I, it's crazy that they got that. That they got him for but, that. But. but he's like doing a impression of yeah. like a Muppet the whole time. He's we don't know why, but he was just, you know. <laughs> he's like, listen. He's really into the Muppets. He's like, listen, if I'm doing this, I'm not doing it sober, all right? Let's go. (laughs) I guess that's kind of dark. He apparently has some alcohol problems. I don't know. Again, why should I know this? I don't need to know this. This is the whole point of the movie. You don't need to know everything about everyone's life. That's one of the points of the movie. Like, hey, just calm down. Oh, I forgot to mention the line that I really love, and it's a poignant end to the film is when he's like, you don't want to be like me. And then, I actually wrote this down because I did want to talk about this. There's something so real about the way he leaves his life. I assume forever. I I don't know that they ever talked again or spoke or anything. Um, But the way he just says, you don't want to be like me. And he shuts the door and he starts backing up. And there's just this thing ingrained in me, and I'm assuming a lot of people from movies, where it's like, there's got to be a more grand ending to that. There has to be more. But all you just see Jason Segel, he hits his little ice scraper against the window two times, just walks inside. And, like, that's it. Just gone. Gone from his life at that point. Which is just too... Too realistic, (laughs) I think. And maybe if I wasn't so busy trying to write it down, because I'm like, I need to talk about this on the podcast, it might have made me cry. <laughs> but um, I just wanted to talk about that, because that was such a unexpected moment, in that I'm like, okay, they're going to do kind of like a bigger thing, where he goes and asks him one more question, the final question, that's going to like make everything make sense, but he just doesn't. and Because that question doesn't exist. Exists. Exactly. I love that. I love that a lot. I, I'm glad I didn't forget to say that. 
because we were um, we were winding like, down. But yeah. Anyway, are we, are we winding down? I think so. Uh, I don't have too much more to say. Um, well, you can let me know where you ranked this. Well, I can let you know where I put it in my rankity ranked list. See, this is why I should actually pull these things up because I knew it was coming. Why didn't I pull up this list? It's almost like I'm bad at podcasting or something. Put this at number 19. Uh, behind Brick, ahead of The Evil Dead. So. Wow, that's higher than I thought it would be, honestly. Yeah, I... Oof, I just... I, like, I feel like I can't accurately express how much this riveted me. And I think it's just because these past few weeks we've been watching stuff that I wouldn't call bad, but like hasn't spoken to me in particular. Mm-hmm. Where like Macbeth, I'm like, okay, it's Macbeth, it's good. And then Blue Velvet, I'm like, it's 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 whatever. It's David Lynch. It's, it's David weird. Lynch. Yeah, it's David Lynch. It's <laughs> weird. It's good. If like if that's what you're looking for at that time. But this film is like so so much what I enjoy and so much what I could like ever hope to write one day. And it's just one of those that just spoke to me. So it's hard to really accurately portray that, I guess. I mean, I'm glad that you feel that song about this movie because that was my hope. Even though you didn't match my hope of having you cry. Right. But my, that was just a, an extra hope because my initial hope in putting this on the list was that you would be able to connect to the ideas mm-hmm. expressed in this movie. Well, and even if the movie doesn't necessarily give us an answer, a mm-hmm. big answer, because it can't give us, like, a big answer to all these questions. Right. Like, I hope that you, like, came away from this experience with, like, some kind of new perspective on... Mm-hmm. I hope you learned a little bit about yourself. Oh, hey. I, you the know, true and I can't say... that they made along the way. Right. <laughs> side them all along. Um... <laughs> No, I can't say that when this ended, I, I just sat and I, I just let it kind of wash over me. And I, again, I can't tell you, like, any, any, like, in any part, any of the big conversations, I can't, like, repeat lines to you. But that's another reason I want to watch it is because I've already kind I don't want to say I've forgotten because that sounds like worse. But, like, I've already kind of been like, okay, I have this feeling of this movie that washed over me. I have the experience of it. And now I'd really like to like dig into it and really like, again, like hear what it's saying, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's... It, it, no, it makes sense. Yeah. And like I said, having rewatched that, I would say it's worth a rewatch. Maybe not right in now, like a short right. period of time, maybe like once you've experienced more, maybe revisit it. Mm-hmm. Like... When you go out into the world, it, if you ever get like art out there and published and all that sort of stuff, be interesting to revisit it at that point. I think I'm not saying you have to wait that long to rewatch it, but right. I'm just saying like that would be an interesting experience. <laughs> right, I got I got what you were saying. I got I got you. We're on that wavelength, Aaron. We figured out in the podcast this week that we've been doing this for too long. <laughs> I know your stick. All right. <laughs> Anyway, where, where would you where would you rank it? I have this thirty six. Oh, okay. Uh, behind Stranger Than Fiction, ahead of Saw. Mm. So. And see, I have Stranger Than Fiction. I think kind of higher too. So it's just who we are, man. 
I mean, it's just, I think just the humans. major difference between our list is that there's just, like, a few films on this list that are just, like, so personal to me that mm-hmm. made it super high for reasons that you wouldn't be able to relate to, like, the Batman movies that are on this right, list. Right, right. Stuff like that. So, but, again. RoboCop. We're... RoboCop is a masterpiece. <laughs> It's almost just a joke at this point. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is a joke and the most painful joke. Yeah. Of all our mm-hmm. memes. Okay. <laughs> what are we doing next week, Aaron? Call it out. Uh, next week, uh, solo a Star Wars story is coming out. But I figured it's basically, from the look of the trailer, it's gonna be a western. In space. Yeah. So I figured we'd look at a Western. So what do you say about a fistful of dollars? Sounds beautiful, Aaron. I'll watch it. Let's do it. So yeah, next week, fistful of dollars. Uh, If you want to find us around the web, you can find Lacey at Jake underscore Lace on Twitter. Find him at Jake Lace on Tumblr. If you want to find David from the main podcast around the web. Oh my god, (laughs) what just happened? What happened is I desperately need water, and I don't have any water. But if you want to find David from the main podcast around the web, you can find him at dbex15 on Twitter. dbex with two S's. If you want to find me around the web, find me at littleflamedude on Twitter. You can find me at this clever blog name is already taken.tumblr.com. Hopefully, I will get back to actually publishing things again now yeah. that I'm graduated. Because I've seen like five movies that I've not written a review for. But, eh. you know, college stuff. College, man. College graduate Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> hear more about that. Yeah, hear, hear, hear too much about that <laughs> on Thursday. <laughs> anyway. But if you want to find the podcast around the web, you can find us at Reboot Already Underway on Twitter. Give us a like on Facebook. Check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. And leave us a good review if you like what we say. So next week, we are heading into the frontier. Into the Old Talk. West. It's full of dollars. Pew, 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 pew. What are the chances I say a fistful of doll hairs several times throughout the episode? Throughout the episode, very high. Yeah, I, I would assume. Very I know, high. <laughs> too high. There's next week when we talk about a fistful of doll hairs. <laughs> Until then, don't think it, don't say it. Bye, bye, man. Bye, bye.